So this morning, uh, I'd like to continue a little bit looking at the questioning and to see that like any method, we will not be able to attend to it, to apply it in the same way all the time because it will depend a little bit on different conditions. <coughs> So, in terms of the question, in a way, I think, you know, we, we can try to do the question. We might have just heard about it during this retreat. We might have done it before. And so, because of that, we will be possibly at different stage with it and in different way with it. And often, in terms of what we try to do with this question, I would kind of like give an image of, let's say you have snow and you have a child. And you have a child who lives on an island, very hot island, far from any snow. And then you talk to the child about the snow and you describe it, it's white, it's cold, and the child might, he or she say, oh, it's like ice cream because the idea is a little abstract. Or you might take the child near a mountain, and then the child can see the white snow on top of the mountain. And the child, hmm, it's white. It's a little like paper, like white paper. And then you take the child to the snow, and the child jump in the snow, taste the snow, feel it's cold, it's wet, and it has different texture and aspect. And even within the snow, he would have to stay a long time. If he stayed in the place a long time, then he would have the different aspect of the snow, when it's very hard, when it's very soft, very wet, etc. And so in the same way, I feel what we are kind of doing is kind of coming closer and closer to the questioning, what is this? But at the beginning, it's kind of like we, it's nearly like we're more interested or we're kind of more aware of the abstract aspect of it, like the word. What is this? And what is a this referring to that? And in which story it came out or thing of that nature? So in a way, we have to become, to familiarize ourselves even with the idea of asking a question. Well, that's maybe not something we do in general. Also to ask a question without looking for an answer because we have such an automatic kind of question, finding an answer. And then if we practice it a little more, it kind of like uh, possibly we can resonate with it. It starts to make more sense. So it's kind of like less abstract, less foreign. And it's like, oh yeah. I can ask this question. And then we might have time, really have that experience of what I would call tasting the question ourselves. So it's kind of just experiencing <coughs> the questioning as a sensation, for example, in the body, as a kind of just kind of like a, a certain uh, sensation we experience. 
And then this sensation might just happen by itself as we ask the question. Or if we have practiced a long time, is it something that can, as soon as we meditate, in a certain way, the sensation can just be there. As a, a master in Korea used to say, when your questioning becomes really kind of like vivid, then you can just ask once in the morning, and then in the sensation of questioning can be with you the rest of the day, so it becomes more like an experience, like we're really tasting for ourselves something. And at the same time, it's also a device to develop anchoring, to develop questioning. And also the way we might be at any given time will depend on conditions. So at times we will have the feeling that the practice is going well, time to time we have this sensation of questioning or we kind of have this kind of feeling of curiosity, stable curiosity. And at other times, we might feel a little sleepy. And then we might actually use the question more as a device to wake ourselves up. What is this? What is this? And so in a way, to really come back, I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry about that. Thank you. And so, in a way, then, you kind of actually use a question to keep you, so it's kind of less, kind of just in a way, imbibing, being suffused with the question, but more like, what is this? What is this? Nearly as a means to wake oneself up. Or it could be that we're starting to feel a little bit distracted. And then, in a way, like uh, that's what I did on the first day. On the first day, I had lots of... Uh, kind of a certain thoughts and preparing something, planning, and then they just you the question to anchor, really to come back to what is happening now. Let's plan, let the future, this will come later. Back to the question, back to the question. So in a way, at different times, there will be different aspects of this practice of questioning. But also, uh, what can be interesting is how you can, in a way, just do the question by itself. And so like any other method, you can just do the breath by itself, or you can just do body scanning by itself, or whatever other method. Or you realize over time that actually different practices can complement each other, can kind of add something. Either the practice, of practice itself can add something, or combined there can be kind of a certain effect to it. So one of the things we can do, I have already mentioned, is that you can do the breath and the question together. And then they kind of is nearly like you have the sensation of questioning with the rhythm of the body, but in a light way, which is not mechanical, which is not tensing. Also, 
you can use coming back to the breath as an anchor and once you anchor then you could go back to the question what is this or if you do more the breath as some of you have said when I do the question it seems to help me to be more focused so in a way you could use the question to be more focused and then if you are if you generally uh, are mindful of the breath you could come back to the breath so I think in a way we can see how we can use in a way these different techniques and within that you also have this uh, practice of just listening listening meditation and this we introduce as part of a song practice because although it's traditionally it's not uh, taught in that way uh, in the meditation hall actually it's part of the tradition and you find it in one text which is a later uh, apocryphal text the Surangama Sutta and in it you have the Buddha asking everybody all the Bodhisattva or the different people what's the best method to practice and so each goes with this little method which is good and then of course at the end you have the, the one method the Surangama Sutta people wrote it thinks is a good method and the last one is propounded by the Bodhisattva of Compassion and then the Bodhisattva of Compassion suggests that actually a very good practice is listening meditation. So listening to the sound of the world. And of course this can also meet uh, very much the mindfulness practice of listening to sound. And, but I would say within the sound tradition the listening practice is very much associated with compassion. So that in a way you are doing the listening practice in order to open yourself to the world, but also open yourself to the world from the point of view of the other person, or the point of view of the sound itself. So in a way what is interesting with the listening practice, I mean there are many different interesting aspect, but one aspect is a way it's an anchoring device. It's a different type of anchoring device. If you have the breath, this is quite personal and this is quite kind of a narrow focus, a small point focus. If you do the question, again this is like kind of a narrow anchoring. What is this? When if you cultivate listening meditation, it's actually an open focus. So it's kind of like, in the same way that you ask a question, and in a way you are waiting for this and be, to be with this sensation of questioning. When you do the listening meditation, we're also cultivating waiting. So we're not going out to find sound, but we kind of cultivating receptivity. So in a way we waiting for sound to happen and to be aware of that. But what is important with this practice of listening, we're not trying to collect sound. This is not a competition. At the end of the day I heard a thousand or 250 or whatever. 
But it's really so that we cultivate that receptive, caring awareness toward the world. Because one of the things with meditation is that if we focus on the breath, even if we focus on the question, which can also have this open quality, it feels a little like kind of like inward looking. And here with the sound, it's kind of really, unless, of course, you might have, you know, like sound gurgled in the, you know, before lunch often, we might have a little sound in the stomach, but generally, I hope you don't produce too much sound for yourself, you know. Uh, and that they are harmless sound if you produce any. But generally the sound comes from outside. And then the question is, when we hear a sound, first you have the sounds inside this room. How are we with the sound inside this room? Do we kind of just receive them as a music of life? as Tiknatan would say, as a bell of mindfulness. Because each sound could be a way to be back here instead of being lost somewhere else. Or are we sitting there and why they're moving? Why are they coughing? Or whatever. Because it's interesting, sometimes we associate meditation, especially medit sitting meditation in a hall, with no sound whatsoever. But this is not the idea. I mean, one of the big ideas, especially in song practice, is to be able to meditate in the marketplace. I have friends who are uh, from the Korean song tradition in South Africa, and deliberately, I mean, generally, my difficulty with teaching the listening meditation is that there is not enough sound because a lot of the center are in beautiful places and certain places double glazing, so <laughs> there is not much to hear. At Gaia House it's wonderful because we, especially at this time of the year, there are lots of sound so we can hear. But these <laughs> friends of mine in South Africa, they choose to have their center at the corner of a crossroad in order so that people would listen to sound, so that they would kind of actually directly practice this meditation in the marketplace, and then they could take it in daily life. So in a way, to see, can we, this is in a way because we're not just listening to sound, but how are we listening to sound? Can we listen to sound with this caring and careful awareness? Caring and careful questioning. And so in a way, just listening to sound so that you know, you have a slight move from if only this person was not moving to they must be suffering. If they move, they must be suffering. If they're cough, oh, poor thing, they might be suffering. Because the first one is, oh, this bothers me from my point of view, from the self-reference. Though the one is actually considering from the other person's point of view. And it is the same with this listening meditation. We're really trying to, can you hear the sound for themselves? 
And of course, uh, because what we, we hear a sound, and generally we perceive it, we're not trying to stop perception, because this is immediate. We are, in a way, have this ability to perceive, so we know this is a rock, this is a car, this is a cough, this is shifting, this is gurgling. I mean, generally, we recognize what sounds are. But this, we just leave it as it is. We're not stopping perception. But at the same time, can we just be more with the sound itself? The way the sound is. And then you might notice, like you would notice sensation, some some sound are very brief, some sound, it's very interesting. We hear them and mm, it's kind of like they lift us up. Like we hear the rooks, it's okay. And then you hear tweet, 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 tweet. Like, <laughs> that is interesting because, you know, in a way, in the same way we have thought, and the thought will make us feel different things. We can just notice we hear a sound and then, oh, it can, it can uplift us, it can be, mm, or it can. Uh. So, in a way, as we listen to the sound, can we be aware of the whole thing without analyzing it, but knowing that experience, the sound itself, and who knows, noticing its changing nature, noticing its effect on us. But just, in a way, the main idea is really this receptivity, really being open to the sound of the world, to the music of life. And so we can do this just as we just do that. And then, as I said before, if you have tinnitus or if you are relatively sensitive to sounds, I would not suggest doing this in the room. I would suggest doing it more during the free time or during the free walking in the afternoon. Because although we hear sound, the room is relatively quiet. And then within that, one might become, by just listening, become even more hypersensitive or become even more focused on the tinnitus, which sometimes is not helpful. So just, again, being careful there. So listening to the sound, we could just do that, so that becomes, in a way, the main practice for the day, if we want to explore that. Or we can actually do this, as I mentioned, as complementing. And that's what a little bit I call, in a way, stacking up. That's what I found myself, because for 10 years, in Korea, I just did the question. That's all I did. And then when I came back here, as I mentioned, I learned to do uh, mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of the sound, different things like that. And then what I found is that I was still doing the questioning, because that's what I do anyway. But then I would do questioning with a bit of the breath, and I felt that I had a kind of like a calming, steady influence. Or I, w- I would do the questioning and just a little bit around it of listening. 
And that I found th that helped really the meditation to really be uh, quite focused in a way and also quite present to the experience. So if I can explain it a little bit more, it's a little bit like if you had like, um, let's say 60%, you have your uh, focus on the question and then 20%, you bring the sound a little bit more in the foreground of that and then the rest is in the background. Because in a way, when we practice, if we look in terms of anchoring, concentration, actually there is a range of way that we can focus, that we can anchor, that we can concentrate. On one side of it, you have what I would call exclusive concentration. On the other side of it, you have total open concentration. And there is what I would recommend a lot of the time would be <coughs> to have half-half, some thing in the foreground, but lots of thing in the background. What I mean by exclusive concentration is when you're told to just pinpoint one point and just stay with that to the exclusion of anything else. This can be quite efficacious, but it can be a little, bring some tension. On the other side of it, you can be told to just sit there and not focus on anything, but just sit there and let everything pass, come and pass, <coughs> and just sit there. Just be with it, in a way. And then that's really very open, which can also be very useful, but it can lead to being vague. If there is nothing in a way to focus on, it can lead to be, it's kind of hard to keep the attention, and then we can become a little vague. And so one, one of the things I find in the practice is that to have something in the foreground <coughs> in order to anchor us a little, so it can be the breath, it can be the question, it can be the sound, and then you have everything else in the background because the fact that you are focused on the question or on the breath, or on the sound, does it mean that the other thing don't exist? Thought may arise, sensation may arise, sound, etc. will arise anyway. And so we're not trying to stop being aware of that. But in a way what is interesting with this uh, ability we have to pay attention <coughs> and that we cultivate especially in uh, meditation is the fact that we can apply it in different ways. We can apply it in a very specific way, we can apply it in a more open way. And so with what I call uh, this stacking up, it's like you pay attention more, for example, to the question. And then just behind it, you could have a little more attention to the sound and then everything is just really in the background. Or you could have this more attention on the sound. So that in a way the, the main focus is this open mm -hmm. focus on the sound. And then within that you could bring a little bit of questioning. 
to give it a little vividness, a little brightness, a little sense of questioning. So again, uh, the way I would look at a retreat <coughs> is as a mean to explore, to do I, because in a way when we practice, there is this two way one could nearly self-practicing. One could be, do I just trust where my attention goes? So if the attention goes to the question, I do that. If the attention goes to the breath, I do that. If the attention goes to the sound, I do that. Or we can explore specific way to practice to see what happens. So as many of you have tried, trying to do the questioning. Or before, many of you might have tried to do the being aware of the breath. Today you could try, hmm, how is it to be aware of the sound? Mm -hmm. and then you can see, oh, how is it if I do the questioning with a bit of the sound? How is it if I start out with the questioning and time to time I bring a little bit the question within it? But when I suggest this different way of exploring, there is no judgment within it that this one is better or that one is better. And also, in order not to be careful to be, oh, would it be better if I do this that way? And then she said this, and should I do it that way? And should I actually be like 65% and a half instead of 22 and a bit? <laughs> you see, this is just like, like suggestion as exploration, but not to complicate your practice and not to make you kind of, you know, wonder every two minutes, what should I do? So they're really uh, trying to, what I would call a stable exploration, what makes sense. And if you try, you, you try something like sometimes people love the listening meditation and some other find it extremely distracting. <coughs> so I mean, if within 10 minutes you find listening distracting, don't do it, you know, just come back to what works. So it's kind of also to see, does this work for me or not? And how can you, I use it? Because in a way what is important is, does it help me to have a little more stability, a little more calm, stillness, spaciousness? Does it help me to be a little more alert, connected, present to other for themselves. To me, that would be really one of the points of the listening meditation. So that's what I would uh, like to suggest today. <laughs> <laughs>